The price per share of a stock tells you almost nothing. It's the price to buy one share of that stock. But how many shares does the company have outstanding? You know, in math, we multiply two multiplicands together, but the price per share, that's only one multiplicand. If you don't know the other one, you can't do any meaningful math or figure out much of the world around you. Fools with a capital F know that you need to know the shares outstanding and then multiply that by the price per share. And now you know the actual full value of the company. It's full price tag. It's market capitalization, market cap. Well, to teach this lesson inexorably and unforgettably, we invented a game. That's what I do. The date was August 9th, 2017. The market cap game show was born, and we've been playing every quarter since. Oh, and you're playing too. I designed it that way so you can play along against my talented guest stars, against your spouse or partner, against your kids. Can you outscore my talented professional contestants? Well, it's that time of the quarter again. 10 new stocks, three guest stars, Andy Cross, Jim Mueller, and you. Only on this week's Rule Breaker Investing. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. Welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. A delight to have you with us. The purpose of this podcast is aligned directly with the purpose of our company, The Motley Fool. That's to make the world smarter, happier, and richer. And I try to do that every week on this podcast, and I feel like I quite succeed this week in every quarter. The penultimate Wednesday of every quarter is dedicated to the market cap game show. Now, I know a lot of longtime listeners are already rubbing their hands together, knowing where we're headed, getting ready to play along with this, but many new listeners may not know exactly what we're doing here. If I were just to give you the 60-second skinny, you should know that we're about to play a game. The game is all about estimating the values of companies, companies that are, in many cases, well-known, or maybe a stock that you haven't heard of, but to know, as I let off at the top, the market cap, really the market's price tag on that company. You know, Walmart is full of things on its shelves, and they all have price tags. But ironically, perhaps, many investors don't know the real price tags of the stocks that are available on the shelves of the stock market. They're just looking at the price per share, and they think, oh, you know, let's go for a penny stock, because that one, it wouldn't take much to go from $0.37 to $0.74. It would double. I should buy penny stocks, not really realizing that it's not just a penny stock, but a penny prospect in many cases, a penny market cap. Companies of no real influence that sometimes get hyped on the internet or as meme stocks and don't have much value. Well, we're all about the real weight, the real value of public companies. And we have fun four times a year, this being one of them, with talented guest star analysts a quiz show around the market caps of some of our favorite stocks. And as longtime listeners again will know, you are playing along with us too. This game is designed so that for each of the 10 stocks, you as a player can listen to my talented professional analyst guest star and say, do I agree with that person's estimate of the market cap or do I disagree? And you can score yourself 0 to 10 based on the number of right answers you get in the market cap game show. So yes, Andy Cross is here with me today. And yes, Jim Mueller is here with me today. But we're really all here for you to educate, to amuse, and to enrich. I would say, especially, gentlemen, this week to 
educate, to make our listeners smarter. Andy Cross, who are you at The Motley Fool? David, I'm Andy Cross. Uh, I've been at The Motley Fool since 1996 with you and Tom and many other fools. It's been a real pleasure uh, to, to help make the world smarter, happier, and richer. And uh, I'm an advisor here and the chief investment officer working with so many talented investors. Like my competitor on today, only today's game show, because usually we're quite good <laughs> friends, Jim Mueller. <laughs> and Jim Mueller, a delight to have your debut on the Market Cap Game Show. You haven't been here 27 years like Andy, no. but you've been here for... 17. That counts. Jim Mueller, who are you and what do you do at The Motley Fool? So I'm Jim Mueller. I'm... Uh former scientist, and I bring my scientific research background mm. and love of data to my work, uh, but now I'm an analyst, and I'm the advisor for Future of Entertainment Energy Insider, which is partly oil, but mostly renewable stuff, mm -hmm. and then options as well. All right. So Future of Entertainment, by the way, distinct from Energy Insider. Right. I heard it almost like Wow, a lot going on in one service. But no, these are different things. Yeah, no, we're doing can-can dances on the oil rigs. <laughs> you know, Mexico. that's actually a party I would want to be part of. <laughs> I just heard the data part, and now I'm already scared to go. Well, I think that data. Jim yeah. was rattling his saber a little bit with the comment about, you know, being a scientist and being yes. a data-driven person. And we'll see how that plays out in this episode of the Market Cap Game Show. Well, gentlemen, start your engines, your... Cerebral Engines, let's get started. All right, stock number one, turning to Andy Cross. Andy, when did the phrase cloud computing first come to your awareness? Do you remember? It probably wasn't like, when JFK was shot, which, by the way, preceded our lives. But everybody had that moment where they knew where they were. I'm not saying cloud computing is quite at that level, but for a lot of investors and for our society, cloud computing has become quite important. Do you remember? Well, I think there's two companies that best associate with cloud computing. I think Salesforce and Amazon through Amazon Web Service. I will say with Salesforce, I didn't pick up on it as early as I should have. So I'll say it was much more around AWS, David. And for me, I'll say probably in the last five years. Last five years. Okay. And the company we're about to talk about is a longer standing pick. Um, and really, Tim Byers here at The Motley Fool on my Rule Breakers team, I can first remember Tim saying somewhere around 2008, eight nine the cloud. It's coming. It's coming. I didn't know quite what he was talking about at the time, but he recommended Salesforce in Motley Fool Rule Breakers. It's been an outstanding long-term holding. So all of us are coming online at different points, but even for some of us who might be hearing the phrase cloud computing for the first time today, and many listeners to this podcast, that would not be true because it's certainly been a thing for us for a while, I still think might be on the early end mm -hmm. of the curve of awareness and adoption. In a lot of ways, of course, tech circles have been all about cloud computing for years now, but much of the rest of just popular culture, while they're using cloud computing, they wouldn't necessarily articulate it that way. So this company is just one of the players in the ecosystem. It is not Salesforce, but it is another fine rule breaker pick. And so, Andy, let's talk briefly about Palo Alto Networks, ticker symbol P-A-N-W. Now, like all of the 10 stocks we're playing today, neither Andy nor Jim has any sense of which company I'm about to ask. And they're giving their best shot at the market cap. So it'll be fun to see where you are on this one. I'm not sure I'd do that well 
with this one, Andy, but that's why I love being the host and the MC because I can look <laughs> smart as Alex Trebek and others have looked over the years, largely just because I already know the answer and I'm, I'm quizzing you. And I'm also speaking to our players at home right now as I say that. So we're all doing our best out there. Palo Alto Networks, I'll mention, has just been an outstanding stock. Ten years ago, it was at 20. Today, it's at about 190. Mm. So we're talking about nearly a 10-bagger over the last 10 years. But volatile, like many other uh, stocks, especially in cloud computing and technology, uh, it got crushed in 2021. But in 2023, maybe this is helping you a little bit, it's up from 130 to 190 just this year. It's Mm. up almost 50% in less than a quarter. So a volatile, bigger cap company, but enough for me, Andy. Let me turn to you. Andy Cross, what is your range that you will give for the market cap of Palo Alto Networks, ticker symbol P-A-N-W? And again, new players, Andy's going to give a range, and then Jim and all of us at home are simply going to agree with Andy's range or disagree, thinking it's outside Andy's range. That's the way this game is played. Andy, what's your range for Palo Alto Networks? David, I will say $45 billion to $60 billion is my range of the market cap for All right, Palo $45 billion to $60 billion. Jim, before you say you agree or disagree, do you follow cloud computing? Is that part of uh, that can-can dance on the oil rig? <laughs> First time I heard cloud computing, I thought Cirrus Nimbus or whatever it is. Ah, yes, the, those, those <laughs> kinds of clouds. Uh, and then I, I, I liked uh, Western Digital, the maker of the hard drives, so because the cloud runs on hard drives. Yeah. So, but. Um, so Jim, Andy stated forty-five billion to sixty billion. Do you want to say you agree, I'm or gonna, you disagree? I'm going to disagree. Well, that's unfortunate, Jim, because oh. Andy had a pretty good call. So. Listeners at home, if you agreed with Andy, you said inside the range, give yourself a plus one. The market cap of Palo Alto Networks, as we speak, is $57.52 billion. We always take it out to that second decimal. So near the top end of Andy's range, but within the range. And Jim, were you thinking bigger or smaller? I was thinking smaller. You're thinking smaller. Okay, good. Well, and that's, I think, part of the value of this game um, you might not want to have it on your watch list, Jim, if you're thinking it was smaller than this and it's already at this inflated market cap. Of course, for a lot of us, we build our watch lists from an episode like this, especially for the ones where it's a lot smaller than you mm-hmm. thought. Because when it's actually a lot smaller than you thought, maybe it has a lot more room to grow in your mind. And so that's something to consider. Anyway, for now, Andy one, Jim zero. I will turn to Jim <laughs> with stock Number two. Let me start before we get there, Jim. Could you describe the travel quest that you are on vis-a-vis baseball parks? You and I have oh. talked about this a little <laughs> bit before on this podcast at different points, but could you just re-elaborate what you're doing with your travel, some of your travel? So in my previous job, I traveled around the country fairly extensively. And on free evenings, if there was a baseball game in town, I'd go to the ballpark and visit the National League ballpark. And there are 30 30 teams, and I have 24, 25 of them I've been to over the years. And I have a baseball from each one, and I have a baseball from uh, the Tokyo Giants when we went to Japan. That's wonderful. Jim, are you a lifelong baseball fan? I've loved the game of baseball for so long. 
And I think the many of the rule changes, especially the uh, the pitching clock, I think that's going to make it a lot more exciting to watch this year. It, it's going to be really interesting. Have you watched any spring training? I, yes. I have not. You have. Oh, yes, Great. Yeah. yeah. Good for you. Well, I'm glad to know you're excited about it. I do love baseball as well. I haven't been to nearly as many ballparks as you have. I have no idea what company you're thinking of. Well, you shouldn't quite yet. It's a little (laughs) bit of a misdirect. But I did want to talk briefly about traveling and your approach to traveling. I'm just curious, Jim, um, these days, with this job that you've been at for 17 years or so, we don't ask you to travel as much. But when you do travel to a city where you're realizing, I've never been to that ballpark, typically where would you be staying when you're visiting that city? In a hotel. So not in an Airbnb, no, an Airbnb. which is Airbnb. stock number no. two, ticker symbol A, B, N, B. Airbnb, I have to admit, I myself have not yet ever stayed at an Airbnb by my own choice. I've been with others who booked it. We've had some good experiences. I think overall the reason this company succeeded is because it is a model that works. There's some controversy around it. It does disrupt mm-hmm. the traditional hospitality industry. It might even be illegal in some countries, like Uber sometimes is. I'm not quite sure. I don't keep up that well, Jim. Have you ever used Airbnb? No, and we never will because my wife dislikes the company with a very strong passion. Mm, I'm so glad I randomly picked this from the <laughs> full universe because and thereby hangs a tail. Could you, if you're comfortable or she would be comfortable, well, she, could you explain why? Uh, she was born and raised in Hawaii. And uh, Hawaii, Hawaii's economy is uh, tourism-based. And Airbnb, as far as I know, does not pay the taxes to the state that, uh, and the cities that uh, the hotels are required to pay. And they don't have uh, – uh, the, the, the owners, the hosts are not there on the property. And so the guests can get rowdy at times and disturb the uh, neighborhoods where they're where they're staying in. Mm. So I'm talking, I, I think it's your wife primarily who's the Airbnb <laughs> hater, but Jim, are you a hater? I'm not going against my wife. It's <laughs> <laughs> a smart man. <laughs> I am happy wife, happy life, as, as often been said. Jim, I am delighted, therefore, that I get to ask you, Jim Mueller, what is the market cap range of Airbnb, ticker symbol ABNB? I'm going to say 80 to 100 billion. 80 billion to 100 billion. Listeners at home calculating their minds. Is it inside that range or outside that range? Some might think it's low. Some might think it's high. But what matters right now, Andy, as I turn to you is, do you agree with Jim or do you disagree with Jim's range of 80 billion to 100 billion? Boy, Jim, you really messed me up with that one, too, because I think you are very close. I think you I think you might be a little bit too low. I'm going to say I disagree with you, Jim, on that one. And Andy was wrong, but he was right. Andy, you were right to disagree with Jim. Oh. You get a plus one, but you were wrong in that he actually went above its actual market cap. Airbnb, very close, though. billion. So, Jim, you were close. I thought 75 to 100 or 80 to 100 and decided on the narrow one. You know, the Uh, round number approach can help or hurt. It it could have helped in that case had you lowered it ever so slightly. Andy, admittedly, you put it out there, and I'm glad you did, that you thought he was low with this call. But yet it was below 
where he had it. Have you used Airbnb? Yes, we have. We have used Airbnb, um, and I, I've, I've, I've looked at the company and followed it a little bit. And um, yeah, that that's a great thing about this game, David, is because stocks are volatile, especially now they're more volatile and they're moving. All- and the last time I may have looked at it, maybe it was up at that level, and I'm anchoring to that. So that's why I love um, playing this, even though it is a very um, uh, tricky game at times. And this Airbnb example was a was a perfect one. So I'm sorry, Jim. I was right and I was wrong. <laughs> well, I'm just happy that I was close because I don't. I'm Mr. Netflix around here. I don't even know the market cap. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in that way, you're kind of every man in some ways, Jim. Because I think most of us don't walk through the world day to day and say, "Hey, that's the market cap of that of Starbucks," or "Hey, I see your." Reebok sneaker, what's the market cap of Reebok, honey? So I, I do think it's a little odd to create a game show around this, and yet I think it's so important and what clearly the world needs more of. And Andy Cross, you're up 2 nothing here after two stocks. Jim was so close both times. That, it, it hurts me to think Jim shut out at this point. Jim, have you been to ball games where the other team went up 2 nothing? And oh, yeah. Have you seen oh, comebacks yeah. before? Oh, yeah. Okay. Not that this is going to happen today. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of luck on my side right now, so that can turn. Airbnb, I, I forgot this, guys, came public right at the end of 2020. First week or so, trading right around 135 or so. Today, 123. Mm-hmm. So about flat from its IPO. I'd forgotten Late 2020, I thought Airbnb had been public longer. It's pretty incredible because Brian Chesky and his co-founders founded that company, Airbnb, because of air mattresses that they stayed at when they hosted people. Bed they breakfast. hosted people yeah. in 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 their um, in their San Francisco flat. Uh, but I, I think David, it it got it got caught up in so much of the COVID challenges to the IPO market that they had to push ah. off the IPO until later 2020, because 2020 was a very challenging year. Right? Yeah. They laid off a significant amount of their staff. Okay. Well, what a time we've all been through. Airbnb reached as high as $220 a share. You know, so many of these stocks peaked right around March of 2021. That was its high. So it's about cut in half from that point here a couple of years later. And uh, maybe position poised to rise from here. I, I'm generally unlike Jim and his wife, the haters. I kind of like it, but I have to admit, I haven't really been a customer of it much. So um, I guess I'm just sort of neutral. But I know one thing. That was then. This is now. Let's push these two stocks aside. All that matters, guys, is the next eight. Let's go to stock number three. Turning back to you, Andy. Andy, you and I were in college somewhere around, you know, kind of late 80s, early mm-hmm. 90s, right around there. Yeah, so we're about the same age. What What's a technology, or two if you like, that you would have had a hard time convincing the young Andy Cross back in college? What's a technology or two that exists today that you might even have a hard time explaining to young Andy Cross because of the way technology or the world has unfolded. Anything come to mind? This is a very ironic one, David, because uh, like many people, I rely on text messages, text messaging every day. I don't know how many text messages I communicate with my family, wife, friends, colleagues. I think a lot of us can relate. I think so much can relate. Back in college at the University of Michigan, we had something, I believe they called it Fingers, and it was a very early text message slash email system back in the early 90s. Uh, it wasn't email. I, it, I'm pretty sure it was called Fingers, and essentially was text messages over computers, and I was in a computer science class 
were in math class and people were text message sending <laughs> messages through fingers. And I was like, this is crazy. Why don't you just lean over and talk to somebody? <laughs> why do you, then email came about, why, what, why do I need this? I could just like, just call you on the phone. Like, why is that? So I was, a, <laughs> I am not an early adopter, David. I think you, you tend to be more early adopter. I am not an early adopter of technology. I was a slow adopter of text messaging. And if I had to convince myself that text messaging is going to be my multi, my primary form of communication, <laughs> I think I would have a hard time doing that. The younger AC would just be no way. No way. And the answer was way. That's right. No way. All right. Exactly. So that's a good example. And Jim, before I turn back to Andy with our stock, does that scare up anything for you? A conversation with your younger self trying to convince that person that this actually happened. I think the uh, the mobile phone. And how it's turned into a computer more powerful than the first several generations. Yeah, than the Cray supercomputer of the early 80s. So you can be reached whenever and wherever you want on the planet, which can be a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, you know, as I – it was Skype. This is more like six or seven years ago. I probably would do FaceTime now or maybe even Zoom depending. But as I Skyped – my family from a plane to say good night five or six years ago, I was just thinking I would have had a hard time explaining to my younger self that this was possible. I mean, without being the cranky old guy that maybe we all are, we used to pay a dollar a minute for long distance calls uh, to our parents, usually a collect call in my case. But I mean, just think about how we took something that was so human, so important, and we turned it from expensive to free. <clears throat> and just think about all the good and, in some cases, the bad that has come from that. And that's just one example from one area of technology. Well, I'm glad we're having this conversation because any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And I see my friend Jim Mueller, who probably has read more Arthur C. Clarke than I have, recognizing that line. It's always been a phrase that I've loved. Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic because trying to talk to our younger selves a generation ago about what's happened is something that will never technically happen because so far anyway, we haven't invented time travel, but yet it's still such an eye-opener, especially as investors ourselves thinking about what will be the things today that we could or should be investing in that 25 years from now, an even older version of ourselves would just find amazing. And if possible, let's get our dollars, at least some of them, there today. And that's part of what we try to do as investors, or at least as a rule breaker, how I frame up the market. So I did once dedicate one of my five stock samplers to this phrase and this concept. It was five stocks indistinguishable from magic. I picked them on September 2nd of 2020, about three months later, Airbnb would come public. So Airbnb was not one of them. But you know, thinking about what are the companies that what they're doing is so remarkable, it's indistinguishable from magic. And one of those five companies, and I still feel this way today, is ASML Holding. Of course, the chip design company, a very substantial and important company today that is operating at a microscopic level. We think about the manufacture of semiconductor chips today 
so tiny we can't even see them, and yet they're in so much of the technology around us. There are chips everywhere, and they're smart and getting smarter. They're getting smaller and more powerful, and that's been happening for a long time. And for me, anyway, I sometimes wonder, you know, if I tried to explain to a Viking, yeah, that kind of Viking, not Minnesota Vikings NFL team these days, but an actual Viking, uh, semiconductor chips, computers, and how things work today, it would truly sound like, I think, magic to that Odin-worshipping fellow of yours. So conversations with Vikings around technology always sort of a fun, whimsical thought for me. But more importantly, let me now turn to Andy and ask you, Andy, I don't know if you spent any time looking at ASML, uh, a company I think based in the Netherlands, but this company is important what it's doing today. And the real question that we have for you is, what is your range of market cap for ASML holding, ticker symbol ASML? Let's see, Jim. ASML. I will say ninety billion to one hundred and thirty billion. Ninety billion dollars to one hundred thirty billion dollars for yes, it's confirmed. This company, the Dutch multinational, based in Feldhoven in the Netherlands. The kind of trivia you only get from this podcast. All right. So I heard ninety billion to one hundred thirty billion. Yes, and sir. Jim and all my players at home, do you want to agree inside that range or disagree outside that range, 90 to 130 billion? Is this the one that makes the machines that make the chips? This is the company that specializes in the development and, yes, some of the manufacturing, specifically and, and I'm out of my league a little bit here, and I realize I'm talking to somebody who is himself a scientist, but not this area. Um, photolithography, um, extreme ultraviolet lithography, okay, it's the, which it's is— the I think it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is a substantial company. It's a, it's a bigger company. I'm not going to say if Andy's right or wrong, but it's, this is no fly-by-night operation. This is a profoundly important company today in the world. Okay. Uh, I'm going to disagree. Well, some baseball teams, when they get down 2 nothing, Go down 3 nothing. <laughs> yeah, and others make it 2-1. to one. Oh, nice. <laughs> Jim, you're right. So the right move here was to disagree with Andy's range. ASML capitalized at $255.24 billion, a quarter of a trillion dollars. This is, by the way, the most highly valued European technology company by market cap. And, uh, and this is a holding... Uh, in Motley Fool Stock Advisor, I picked it a few years ago, and a company I think is just an outstanding representative of technology indistinguishable from magic and helping power the world. I think a lot of us know that the so much of the manufacturing of semiconductors is happening in Taiwan these days, but some of it is happening outside, and many of these companies um, are designing the chips, not necessarily always manufacturing them or manufacturing them at scale or at, at the cheapest prices. But ASML, an outstanding example of European entrepreneurism and uh, and scale and size. So, Andy, you learned something. Even that was that's even higher. That, that's higher than the range I first was. I was originally between one thirty and one sixty, 
and I lowered it, and I did not know it was more I think than I was 200 still, billion. With that first so, range, I think I still would have disappointed. I mean, it, 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 I thought it was around 200. It is a significant. Um, it, it, it is the. It is really the only player doing what it does, yeah. and I still underestimated the value of that. I was a little high in my other ones, my Airbnb. So maybe I lowballed myself a little bit. Well, let's have some more fun here, just because we love market caps on this show, especially this episode every quarter. ASML is twice the market cap today of Intel. More than twice the size of Intel. And yet, it is less than half the size of NVIDIA. Mm. And to have thought that 10 or 20 years ago, I think would be astonishing for a, a few different reasons. And of course, all of these things are always changing. So let's see where things go from here. But to get a real sense of scale, that's part of what we do with the Market Cap Game Show, just to understand relative sizing. Yeah. ASML, many of us have never heard of that company before. Twice the size of Intel Inside and the storied Andy Grove founded company. So it, uh, worth paying attention. Intel's a customer. If, um of, of ASML. Um, they buy the machines that make the chips. And Intel is spending an incredible amount of money uh, under their newish newish CEO, Pat Gelsinger, uh, making new fabs. And so they're going to be buying a bunch of the, of the equipment that ASML sells. And uh, one reason Intel's only half the size market cap is because Intel whacked its dividend uh, about a month ago. Thank you. I'm sorry to hear that. I, I do not own Intel. I'm not keeping up as much as I I once did, but that's part of the fun of this game for me is to be reminded to learn things like that, Jim. It's, it's a pick in one of my services options. All right, on to stock number four. Jim, you're a you're a chemist. Is that is that fair to say by trade? You were a chemist by trade? Uh by training. I, I never was a practicing chemist. By training, then not trade. Right. Um, based on your knowledge of chemistry, <laughs> I'm springing this on you. Is is Gatorade fundamentally sound and healthy as as a chemical that we ingest? <laughs> there you're talking more about biology and <laughs> biochemistry, but um, I'd be a little worried about that green glow thing <laughs> they've got going. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. Gatorade, which I, 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 I know it has electrolytes and I know it's played up by professional athletes. It yeah, has been yeah. for decades. If you're an American, you've had this pounded into your head that Gatorade is really good and you should have it but, to recharge. But isn't it really just kind of candy water, mostly? Lots, a lot of sugar, sugar, certainly. Lots of sugar, lots of electrolytes, which is good because you're you're sweating out all, all that stuff. But also a lot of sulfites. And if you're allergic to sulfites mm. it, and you chug down Gatorade when you are uh, have, uh, are giving, putting out a lot of liquid because your body's not working right, it can cause problems. Okay. Speak from experience. Yeah, and I will tell you that as somebody who's been hydrating on a regular basis for the last several months, ever since I realized you can gamify your hydration, I'm a big fan of the <laughs> Hydrate Spark Pro bottle that you guys see glowing occasionally <laughs> when I take a sip of it here in the studio. Um, I know that you can even overhydrate. And that's, by the yep. way, I think it's called hyponatremia. Mm -hmm. And I kind of so, did that once, trying to hit my goal for the day. Late in the day, I really chugged it, ended up with a little bit of a headache. Talk to Seth Jason, uh, our colleague here, a mm -hmm. big runner, and he, he thinks a lot of the ultra hydration that's being pushed today is actually dangerous because of that very thing. You can uh, mm -hmm. drink so much that your blood gets too dilute, and so the electrolyte uh, balances in your blood go too low rather than too high. So we're full of not just stock tips here at The Molly Pool, but health <laughs> tips, health tips as well, from chemists, not by trade, 
but by training. I know, I realized, Jim, you were immediately disassociating yourself from any real insight. Into, and I didn't mean to spring on the people of Gatorade that what you have is not good. I've drunk and a lot of I'm, Gatorade, but I just sometimes I wonder how healthy really is hmm. this stuff? <laughs> and and all that stuff that really I think is approved by the FDA, at least for human consumption, but uh, I still don't like that glow. <laughs> that orange yellow glow. I think it's fair to question really luridly colored things that we ingest, <laughs> wondering would the caveman have I, have benefited from this? I don't drink Mountain Dew either. <laughs> All right. Well, well, speaking of which, I'm not about to ask you about any of the companies we've discussed thus far, but I am asking you about Jim Celsius Holdings, ticker symbol CELH, because this company is kind of in that that market, making beverages uh, that it sells through grocery and drug and convenience stores, thermogenic calorie-burning beverages. And a few of my mm. friends who are in better shape than I am swear by this stuff. Mm. They, they love to ingest. Uh, I've, I've had it too. It's pretty tasty. The orange-flavored, in my case, I like the orange Celsius. And apparently, if you have this kind of energy drink just before you work out, your workout will burn more calories than it would have Otherwise, and it kind of tastes good too, like Gatorade, except with carbonation. Anyway, Jim, without asking you to weigh in any more on the merits of drinks that you and I don't necessarily know that well, I will ask you to weigh in on the market cap for Celsius Holdings, ticker symbol C-E-L-H. I just want to add, I'm sorry, I'm going to weigh in a little bit anyway. Uh, There are substances that you can ingest that will increase your metabolism, but uh, yeah, like I, coffee. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would urge people to be careful about that because uh, not all the side effects are known, mm. uh, and in different people have probably have different responses to that. All right, so if we're going to give health tips, we're also going to give health disclaimers here on the Rule Breaker <laughs> Investing Podcast, which I think as is entirely as, appropriate. As far as the company's market cap, I've never even heard of the company. So, <laughs> I mean, that's um, part of what makes this game fun. This is a company that certainly has some interest among the Motley Fool community. I'm going to say 10 to 20 billion. 10 billion to 20 billion for a company that Jim has already admitted he doesn't really <laughs> even know. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, it went public. It's on the NASDAQ, right? So it's probably not a, a penny stock. So it's right not Jim, like so. 200 million. Yeah. And, and, you know, I have it on the game. So I'm probably not going to throw out some micro cap here. On, so, right, 10 billion. To twenty billion, Andy. Turning to you now, would you like to agree with Jim's range or disagree with Jim's range? This is why this game is so much fun because I'm not saying Jim is lying by any means. <laughs> I do know I Jim is a big gamer, though, and so there is a little gamification here with the way that he answers the question. Mm. But I am going to say I'm I'm going to disagree with Jim on on the ten to twenty billion dollar range. If with Andy you disagree, give yourself a plus one because the market cap for Celsius Holdings is $6.53 billion, $6.5 billion, not that far outside the range of 10 to 20 and yet outside the range of 10 to 20. And you larger, thought it was bigger. No, I thought I, I was thinking it was more like the 3 to $4 billion. So oh. even larger than I thought. I did not know okay. Celsius uh. would be that $6 billion. That's a good-sized company. Yeah, well, it is at $6.5 billion. It's a lot bigger than it was just three years ago. In fact, the stock three years ago, guys, around $5 a share. Today, it's 89 Wow. So we're talking about a stock that's a, basically a 16-bagger over the last three years. 
a pretty volatile three years and obviously COVID mixed in there and a stock that, by the way, rocketed up over 100 in 2021 and then got more than cut in half down to 40 in 2022. About a year ago, it's back up to 89 or 90. Well, Ours is not to forecast where Celsius is headed next, especially if we don't even know the company, <laughs> although there are certainly some Motley Fool analysts, not just not these ones, who specialize more in that. But it is a company kind of like Gatorade that pops into popular culture, and you see it, and some people swear by the stuff. And I would say for them, you should have a company like this on your watch list. Uh, it's been a monster performer. It's interesting to see it at $6.5 billion. Well, let's keep moving on here. I see it as Andy 3, Jim 1. Andy, let me turn back to you. Stock number five. Let me try out a possible corporate purpose statement on you, Andy. And I'm going to ask you here just to rate it for, you know, does it impress you? Can you sign up for this? Is it plausible? I think a lot of us, whatever organization we may work for, for-profit or not-for-profit, especially if you're a full capital F, we've always said purpose matters. Hmm. And, and what we sign up for in life as adults is in so many ways going to play out to our benefit or not so much based on the choices that we make, the things that we choose to serve. And certainly, a lot of us working nine to five, whether it's remotely or in offices these days, and people are all over the place on that, we're still signed up for something and presumably something that matters. Andy, are you ready for a corporate purpose statement that you are going to evaluate in front of a worldwide listenership? Ready or not, David, I'm sitting here, so give it to me. All right, I will. And I'll tell you ahead of time, this is stock number five's purpose statement. You might know this company. I don't really, but here it is. Andy, zero to 10, where zero is not at all. How well can you show up for, quote, make it easier to manage construction, end quote. I'm a, I'm a fairly simple fool, David, I think. So am I. I, I I'm looking for a little more inspiration than that. Uh, so, <laughs> So as someone who, who over the years has been involved as obviously David, as you were, and Jim, probably you and Rick are fool behind the glass, I think in our mission statements and our purpose here, the Motley mm -hmm. Fool, I, I, I'm going to, th that rings like a three-ish, three to four to me. A three to four. You know, I, I, Jim, this is not the game we're playing, but Jim, higher or lower than Andy's <laughs> three or four on, quote, make it easier to manage construction, end quote. I, no. <laughs> He's, yeah, I think so. Yeah, three, three to four. You're right on three yeah. to four as well. You know, so, Maybe. so I think what we're saying, guys, is that we get the easier, right? And if there's a strong word in that purpose statement, it's easier. And I think easier works in business for the most part. Entities, people, missions, services that make my life easier. Often, I find myself cottoning to in this increasingly complex world where we're all time starved. Doesn't easy sound good? That was easy. Hit a button. Staples, right, Andy? Staples. Staples, right. Yeah. So things that make things easier are good. Construction, a very important industry. And yet, I think what we're wanting is a little bit more pizzazz, a little bit more oomph from that statement. Is that what I'm hearing from you guys? Yeah, I, I don't. I, I, pizzazz, maybe not. Is I don't think in my construction firms. I'm looking for pizzazz, but I just need a little bit more. You know, thing. I do appreciate the 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 convenience factor, though, David. I I can get behind that. Well, I don't know if the marketing and branding team at Procore Technologies is listening right now, but ticker symbol P C O R. That is indeed what they're purposing at Procore Technologies.
Carpentaria, California-based Procore Technologies. Is this one of those? You know how some companies invent the the street that they're based oh, on? It'll be like damn. one Apple way. I mean, it almost said Carpentaria is actually spelled with an I, Carpentary. So they're not making the carpenter joke, but it's kind of there. Carpentaria, California-based Procore Technologies, an American construction management software as a service company that was, by the way, founded, maybe this helps your guess, in 2002. This is a public company. We'll talk about the stock in a sec, but let's cut to the chase. We've talked enough about making easier to manage construction. Andy, we have your thoughts on that, but we want your thoughts on the market cap for ticker symbol PCOR Procore Technologies. Now, I'm not trying to influence you, Jim, on this. No, not no, at all. Not at all. This, not, that's, that's not my game. No gamesmanship, no gamesmanship here. The, um, Says the man who almost accused me of lying for the last time. <laughs> no, I'm not an accusing. I just I know how much you love games. Uh, this is uh, this is one of those companies that uh, that comes through the pitch process of the Motley Fool that the investing team does a lot of times. And it for, for me, at least personally, it kind of caught my interest, but I never spent much time on it. So... So while it's in the zeitgeist, I think of and obviously a recommendation, David, as you mentioned, it's not one of those ones that I that I follow closely. Well, that makes it even more fun Which to play this fun. game. Then, so I will say, Jim, I will give a range of uh, of five to eight billion dollars. All right, Jim and players at home, five billion to you said eight. Billion dollars, five to eight billion dollars for Procore Technologies. I want to stress that I have a laptop open. The guys can't see over my shoulder, but they don't have laptops open. There is no access to information technology, no opportunity for Andy or Jim to get any edge over each other. Guys, we actually ask you to unplug, you know, from your life briefly to play this game each quarter. Jim, five billion to eight billion players at home. Do you want to agree or disagree with Andy's range? Well, you and I are both thinking real small. Um, I think it's smaller. I think I'm going to disagree. Well, that's good because it gives us a little bit more drama as Jim catches back up. Hey. You were correct to disagree, but you were not far off being wrong or, in Andy's case, right, because the market cap for Procore Technologies is $8.51 billion, oh, and Andy bigger. said five to eight. So just, you know, $500 million here or there. Who's counting? Well, the answer is we are, and the correct answer was to say outside that range. Jim, oh. Jim, was this a fat pitch for you when this was coming in? Were you sure you had this one right? Yes. Nice. Well said. I was at six to nine was my first range, and I should have just stuck with my gut. So wait, was no, that no, your no, first no. instinct, and you didn't go with your first instinct? My first oh, instinct my... was six to nine. Andy? To billion. My Always first instinct was 75 to 100 for that other one. <laughs> so we're learning a lot about first and second exactly. instincts this week. Okay, so it's three to two, and it's halftime of the Market Cap Game Show. So if you, dear listener, want to just take a little time off, we're having the marching band come in. Rick, if you would, please. Some of us can step away and have a quick sip of our Celsius drink as we get prepared for the second half. All right, on to stock number six. Turning now to Jim Mueller. Jim, did you ever 
In your time in or around labs, in your scientific past, did you ever look into the dark arts of biotechnology? What? (laughs) Dark arts. Well, we did have a dark room where we developed film. You know, biotechnology for many of us is opaque. We, we, we see the word or you hear about a biotech sector fund, but still I think most of us don't really know what's happening. And then we tend to create fear around the things we don't understand. So that's why I went with the dark arts. <laughs> uh, there probably are some dark things happening in some labs worldwide today in biotechnology. We just, A, think it's probably a, a very small group of crazy people, and B, we hope it doesn't really matter for the future. But I'm sure there's some dark arts being practiced in biotechnology, even as we speak? We'll see. Well, I don't think this is a dark art, Jim, but in your past work, did you ever come across targeted protein degradation? No, but I can guess at what it is. And we're not going to ask you to guess the company yet, although this is in a quiz show, but would you like to briefly throw out what you think is going on? Many of us are encountering that phrase for the first time and would be mystified by targeted protein degradation. So proteins don't stick around in the cell forever and ever, and they do get degraded and the amino acids reused. Uh, and there are probably signals on the protein surface that uh, can be added some way to make a protein that would not otherwise be degraded, be degraded. Andy, I'm glad I asked this of Jim and not of you because we're getting... (laughs) How close (laughs) was I? Or by the way, of me. Well, let me just go on to say, I believe you. I'm an English major. But I do want to say a little bit further from this company's website, then we're going to do the market cap. They're describing, quote, a transformative approach to address disease targets and pathways inaccessible with conventional therapeutics. Our... Pegasus Platform, this company says, is a powerful drug discovery engine advancing novel small molecule programs designed to harness the body's innate protein recycling machinery, Jim, which I think you spoke to a little bit there, to, again, in their words, degrade dysregulated disease-causing proteins. By the way, if our podcast has low ratings and loses listenership on a weekly basis— it's because I do stuff like this. I'm literally I, reading from this company. Many of us are I, tuning out. I think I should get a point because I score. I, I nailed it. We're going to give you one-tenth of one point <laughs> for as, as bonus extra credit for kind of nailing it. The last thing I'll say about Chimera Therapeutics before we go on to ask you the market cap here, Jim, is that with a focus on undrugged nodes in validated pathways, Chimera is advancing a pipeline of novel therapeutic candidates designed to address the most promising targets and provide patients with more effective treatments. That's what's happening in the labs. I hope no dark arts are being practiced of Chimera Therapeutics, by the way, spelled K-Y-M-E-R-A. Presumably somebody else got the traditional C-H-I spelling and these guys just couldn't get the name that they probably wanted for their URL. But anyway, Chimera Therapeutics today one of those stocks that we follow, not all of us at The Motley Fool, but it's on the list. And Jim, I'm turning to you now, asking you for the market cap range of Chimera Therapeutics, ticker symbol KYMR. Am I allowed to call a friend? (laughs) (laughs) Carl Teal, where are you? (laughs) We have not yet initiated that new rule for the market cap game show, so you are left all by your lonesome. 
10 to 20 bill. Sounds like that's the range Jim uses when he's not really sure. <laughs> I heard something very similar for Celsius Holdings. This company, um, probably not as well known. I won't say whether its market cap is larger or smaller. If, but if it's, if it's still in development, probably. Well, I can't change it now, but uh, yeah, it's not going to be a very large company. <laughs> I hope. Jim, I'm going to invoke my I founded this game and I'm the MC and I can make whatever rule I want rule very briefly to allow you if you'd like it almost sounded like you're talking yourself out of your initial market cap range we haven't turned to Andy yet would you like to amend before turning to Andy and our listeners at home no because we've seen two examples already of where our, our initial <laughs> ideas were more you, accurate so excellent I'll stick with it therefore listeners at home and Andy Cross would you like to agree or disagree with Jim's range of $10 billion to $20 billion. David, as you were explaining uh, Chimera Therapeutics, uh, I just kept harkening back to the beauty of Procore's mission statement of making construction simpler, more easier. easier. And I now you're saying that. it's the beauty. And you now, were giving it a three exactly. to four earlier. I, now I, I, I amend my, and I apologize to all Procure, <laughs> Procore uh, employees out there. Especially the branding department. Um, I pride myself on on knowing at least the names of many of our recommendations out there, if not the tickers. Uh, this one I do not know. Mm. But I am thinking Jim is a little on the high side, so I am going to disagree with Jim's 10 to $20 billion. If you sided with Andy saying disagree, give yourself a plus one uh, because, indeed, Jim well overshot this development stage biotech. I can sound – your advantage. I can <laughs> – I can sound so knowledgeable as I say that because I knew the you're number. you're looking at it right there I know. The I knew the number all along. But the truth is I would have been a fish out of water on this one. But as it turns out, the market cap for Chimera is just $1.70 billion, $1.7 billion. So certainly a, a small cap biotech development stage company you know, with big dreams. And, Jim, we now know a little bit more about their goals. Big dreams, uh, but it's a long, expensive, rough road ahead of them. Yeah, and speaking of baseball, I always think of Vin Scully talking about the ball falling out in the graveyard of broken dreams. You know, the ball that didn't quite go out of the park. And so that's where we are right now. If you're a Jim Mueller fan, Jim, you are down four to two. You've got some work to do. Mm. <laughs> that was, by the way, such a lame transition on my part. But Rick, please keep it. All right. Well, we have four more stocks to go. Let's get at stock lucky number seven. Now, I do want to mention coming up, we have what was once called the Stevens Sudden Death Rule. We'll be playing the equivalent of a slightly different format, kind of like the Daily Double on Jeopardy. That's coming up for stocks number eight and nine. And I'll explain briefly what's happening then. But let's stick with stock number seven. And Andy, turning to you now, how much time have you spent abroad? What have been some of the favorite places, assuming you've been outside this country, that you've enjoyed outside of the U.S.? Right. David, after I left your uncle's firm and before I came to The Motley Fool, I spent six months in Granada, Spain, wow. which was a lot of fun with that. intention to work overseas. And then I ran out of money and couldn't really travel, uh, so I had to come back. Our but, good fortune, because uh, then we well, met you and hired my, you. My very good fortune, too. Uh, and yet, I still have not gotten back to Ireland, no place that, that is tight with your family as well. So uh, I, I've, I'm not well-traveled, 
but I have spent some time in, in Europe. So, um, I, and I love that. Cause Six love months that is longer than I've stayed in any country outside the U.S. That's that's a real tour of duty there. And it's good. Do, do you speak Spanish? I, I I I spoke it much better in in college and after college, uh, and um, but have mostly lost it. So it comes back every now and then. Have you visited an e-commerce platform recently that would be Spanish language based and and purchased something from one of Mercado Libre's? Properties. I have not, um, but it's a it's a it's a business that that I certainly respect, and I hope I've not actually even been to Latin America. So, all right. Well, you should visit, and if you do, you may well find yourself getting passed by a truck because Mercado Libre is almost not just like the e-commerce platform that much of Latin America uses, but they also do a lot of the logistics around the delivery, also the payments platform, Mercado Pago. It's certainly one of our best-performing, longest-standing picks in Motley Fool Rule Breakers. And yet, even if I were asked point blank right now, which I'm about to ask you, Andy, what the market cap is, I'm not sure I'd do great with it. It's been a volatile stock. But let me turn to you now, since we're playing the market cap game show. Andy Cross, what is your stated range for the market cap of ticker symbol M-E-L-I Mercado Libre? I also realize we've been using some whole numbers, so I'm going to mix it up here. I'm going to say it's 200 and... $65.8 billion to $346 billion. All right. So, rocking one decimal point there, Jim. I don't know what he's doing with that, but $265.8 billion to $346 yes, billion is how I wrote it down on my post-it note. That was a lot to write down, Andy. Yeah. Jim, before you answer, any quick thoughts? You're chuckling. I'm just... It would be so funny if it was 250, 256.5. <laughs> the way this episode's going, it could happen. I won't say, though. Now, let me turn uh, to you and ask you to play the game, Jim. Do you want to agree with Andy's range of 265.8 to $346 billion or disagree? Yeah, I'll go with it. Agree. Guys, I think you should both add this to your watch list if you're not already shareholders because you're persuaded that this company is about four times larger than it actually <laughs> is. Jeez. Mercado Libre's market cap, uh, 60, yeah. $60.12 wow. And yet we've got it in this room briefly at a quarter of a trillion dollars, which means this looks like a buy. And indeed, I think Mercado Libre most of the last decade plus has been a pretty good buy. It is, as we talked about, a stock that has been very volatile in recent years. Uh, join the group, Mercado Libre. But yes, it's it's about a sixty billion dollar wow, company today. Far so. smaller than I, I I thought. I own shares and yeah. and liked the business and studied it and talked about it on Motley Fool shows before. Never really about the market cap, I guess. And and uh, I must be anchoring because I know they've added to their fleet. They now own gosh maybe a dozen planes as they ship to different networks and to nodes into the Latin America. So I obviously had that one wrong, but I thought it was much larger than sixty some billion. That Amazon of the of Latin America just pulls your mind in one direction. I think the Pago may have gotten me a little bit excited, <laughs> David. They're the PayPal of Latin America as well. Well, this is this continues to be, I think, a very compelling company. I also so, own shares. You know, maybe part of it, for those who can see the price per share in their head on this one, and I'm always trying to disassociate from that and kind of subvert that, but it's also true. This is one of those companies that trades at $1,229 a share as we speak. And sometimes when you see a big number like that, it starts making you think that market cap must be maybe bigger than it actually is. The stock was trading 
at a couple of points in 2021 at $2,000 a share. It's about 1230 as we're speaking right now. So you can see it's almost cut in half from that point. But throughout much of 2022, it was below this. It touched as low as about $600. So it's kind of doubled from last summer. So again, looking back over these most volatile these past three years, such a volatile time. It looks crazy up and down, but if you take the long view, which is what we do at The Motley Fool, and if you, with us at Rule Breakers, held this stock for a long period of time, you're seeing cost bases probably closer to $50 a share than $500 or $5,000. This is a huge multi-bagger for us, and yet, guys, maybe we're just getting started at Mercado Libre because briefly in this room, we had it much, much larger than it is. And let's hope for shareholders that it gets there. Yep. So I have just one question. Do I get a point? <laughs> Unfortunately, Jim, you don't. I need to <laughs> award that to Andy. Sorry, Jim. Andy Let's 5, go. Jim 2.1. Jim 2.1. <laughs> okay, let's move on to stock number eight. Now, this is the first of two stocks here as we near the last three stocks in this show that we are going with the daily double-ish round, which means, and I see you guys getting your pens out, I'm going to ask you both to simultaneously answer your personal market cap range for these companies. And then we're just going to see who's more right. If you both get it correct, whoever has the narrower range, whoever was willing to take a risk and narrow their range will win. If one of you gets it right and wrong, obviously we'll give it to that guy who got it right. If you're both wrong, if your ranges are both off, then we'll give whoever was closer to the point. For all of our listeners at home, more importantly, you should know that the way to play this round is just agree with either Andy or Jim. They will shortly be providing their ranges of market cap. Stock number eight. Well, Jim, you in particular are new to this game show, so you, you may not have realized that the iconic stock for the market cap game show since the earliest days I'm happy to say I randomized for this episode as well. Matt Argersinger, back in the day, had great difficulty nailing repeatedly the market cap for Etsy, ticker symbol E-T-S-Y. Matt consistently guessed low, and then he would come on next time knowing that I might ask it, and he'd kind of forget to check, and he'd be low again. <laughs> and each time I was like, I think that's an incredible buy signal, Matt, because you keep thinking Etsy's larger than it is, and indeed, I think history will show that it was one heck of a buy as Matt kept undercalling it in the early days of the Market Cap Game Show. Well, all the past is but prologue. Here we are now, March of 2023. And gentlemen, I'm going to ask you, and I already see you doing it, write down your best estimate at your market cap range for Etsy, the e-commerce platform that sells stuff that nobody else has on their platform. Sometimes we frame it up this way. Amazon sells stuff that you can buy on other platforms. What's on Etsy, typically you can't buy anywhere else. So it's a little bit of an Amazon-proof e-commerce company that itself has been quite volatile in recent years. All right. Well, the pens are down. So this is a simultaneous reveal. I think I'll just turn to Jim first. Jim, what is your market cap range for Etsy. I was tempted to go with my default of 10 to 20. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I upped it a little bit, 20 to 30 billion. All right, Jim, you have 20 billion to 30 billion. Andy, what do you have on your post-it note that you wrote down with your flare pen? And, and I probably have learned nothing, but I did change my answer. So um, I wrote down smaller, 12 to 16 billion. All right, so Andy has Etsy at 12 to 16 billion. Jim, you have it at 20 to 30 billion. 
Players at home, I'm about to give the correct answer, but what you need to say to yourself right now is, I agree with Andy or I agree with Jim. And I will say both of you guys made some pretty good calls here, but if you said, I agree with Andy, give yourself a plus one because the market cap for Etsy is $13.39 billion. Really, really straight within. I mean, Andy, 12 to 16, pretty tight, hard hard to beat. So, Andy, we're going to give you a plus one. Have you used Etsy at all? I've only used Etsy once, and I used it to buy um, one of our investing fools a... He was um, Paul Chi, who was, um, it still is, a, a very big Phillies fan. I bought him a championship Phillies. Philadelphia Phillies. Philadelphia Phillies mug. It's the only thing I ever bought on Etsy, um, but I but I, I know the business had, had done um, um, pretty remarkably in creating a really interesting niche marketplace for, for um, unique goods. Jim, an Etsy fan? I've used it once. Um I got my uh, a Christmas present from my brother. He uh, nice. He picked up the bass guitar, and so I bought him a, uh, a guitar strap uh, for that and a box to put it in with his monogram on the front. Wonderful. So you both have used Etsy, and the stock, by the way, at one hundred twelve dollars a share today. Um, wow, it peaked late twenty twenty one over three hundred dollars a share. That was a brief spike. It sped hard down from 300 to 100 in the succeeding early months of last year. So it lost a huge amount of value. It's kind of been bouncing around from 100 to 150 over the last year. The stock well up from around $10 a share when Matt Argersinger was undercalling it each time. So it's been a 10-bagger really over five years or so. Great, great investment. But if you mistimed your way into Etsy at three times where it is today, you probably don't like it as much. But I think playing the long game, which is the only game that counts, it continues to look like a stock I think I'd like to have in my portfolio. All right. Well, Andy, I see you at six. Jim, you are at two. Point one. Okay, good point. But I still don't <laughs> think you good one-tenth of a point, I should have said. But I still don't think you can catch any. But that doesn't mean that you in any way flag with your energy and your focus here, right? Because you are going to finish strong. I'm all over it. You are. And a lot of people will say, we only remember the last question that happened, right? The last thing that happens is all you really remember, right? You're only as good as your last guess. So let's move on to stock number nine. And this is another daily double format, players at home, and of course, my players here in the studio. So let's get ready for a horse of a different color. Now, Andy, I know you're a Buffett fan. I assume you've been out to Omaha to the Berkshire Annual Meeting before? David, actually, I have never been to the... It's very sad. I was just reflecting on this, and I've never been there. And then ever since they started broadcasting them um, online... I am shocked by that. I know. I'm not saying you're Mr. Buffett around the office, but you're certainly an admirer. Well, I've been following them since since the late 80s. Yeah, late 80s. I'm amazed that I've actually done something in investing that you haven't. Oh, well, Jim, you've done a lot lot more than I have. I've been there once. The year they bought uh, Burlington Northern. Even in addition to Berkshire Hathaway, there's a whole industry that surrounds Warren Buffett. There are people who admire him, copy what he does in some senses. There are probably some haters out there. I don't know why there would be. He's added so much value to the world as an entrepreneur and an investor, and I think just a, a fine human being. So there are a lot of people who follow and admire Warren Buffett and I'm certainly one of them. I've also not been to Omaha, so I'm more like Andy than Jim on this count. But we need to get to the stock. Andy, let me ask you, this one's going to be out of nowhere. Have you ever been to Boston? 
I, I have been to Boston. All right. So you haven't been to Omaha, but you have been to Boston. Well, we're headed, friends, to Boston, Omaha. And this is a company I don't know particularly well. Andy, it looks like you know a little bit, maybe more than a little bit, something about Boston, Omaha. Well, it, it, it's, a, it's a holding company with roots very tangentially tied to Warren Buffett, the one of the co-founders and one of the the co-CEO is the I think the great nephew of Warren Buffett. Um, so there's a there's a connection and often referred to much like Markel was kind of referred to as a as a baby, baby Berkshire, Berkshire a baby Berkshire and so. Um, Sorry, not to in, impact the, um, the 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 ranges of market cap, but I don't uh, think Jim's going to object. I think Jim does not know, like me, Jim does not know this company as well as you do. So we both benefit from listening to some of your thoughts about. Unless he's Boston. trying to throw me off. <laughs> <laughs> Andy would never do that. Okay, Boston Omaha Corporation ticker symbol BOC, and I see the gentleman with pens in hand furiously scratching out their best guesses at the market cap for Boston Omaha Corporation, which looks to me to have come public in the summer of 2017. All right, so Boston Omaha Corporation, let's turn to Andy. Andy, what have you written down as your market cap range for BOC? I wrote down $565 million to $1 billion. Five hundred sixty-five million to one billion. Jim Mueller, your market cap for Boston Omaha? No. <laughs> so you're not allowed to say that. It must be a numerical range. <laughs> now you might be helping out listeners at home because it sounds like you're waving the white flag, and all we have to do as listeners is just to say I agree with Andy or Jim. Agree with Andy. <laughs> okay, and, uh, and yet I wrote down seventy-five to one hundred twenty billion. Excellent, <laughs> seventy-five to one hundred twenty billion. And again, while sometimes we're dramatically wrong, if that ever happens, a that's fun. B, none of us is following all of the stocks on our public exchanges. And C, some of us who specialize in can-can dances on oil rigs can't be expected to hang out here with the BOC people. Well, I'm about to give the correct answer, but I want to make sure I give that extra five seconds for our listeners at home to say I agree with either Andy or Jim. All right, lock it in. All right. And Jim, you were right to say no. <laughs> that was one of the better answers on the Market Cap Game Show in our history. Uh, the correct answer for the market cap for Boston Omaha Corporation, which is about where it was at its IPO price six years ago, is $655.54 million. It is a sub $1 billion company. Andy nailed it. Congrats. And Andy obviously already showed recognition. Again, I'm picking these randomly from the stock universe here at the Molly Fool, so neither of these guys has any idea what I'm coming up with. But some of us know the companies are specialized more than others, so yeah, we should listen to that guy. And right? sometimes it doesn't really matter, like Mercado Libre, which <laughs> I had exceptionally wrong. So, And I wouldn't necessarily get all the market caps for the stocks I own either, so... Uh, none of us is faultless and blameless and perfect at market caps. But in this case, Andy, you were pretty good. In fact, you were very good because your range of $565 million to $1 billion was really good when we talk about a $655 million company. So, Andy, we're going to give you a seventh point, one of the better performances we've seen in modern market <laughs> cap game show history. And Jim's still at 2.1. But remember, it's all about a couple of points. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the last company. So let me turn to you in closing, Jim. How do you pay for things? 
with my credit card almost all the time. And do you these days, do you kind of have it on your phone and you tap an Apple Watch or nope. you hand a piece of plastic? Nope. It's a piece of plastic that goes into the little uh, point of sale. And without prying too much, do you have more than one credit card? Do you tend to specialize or diversify? What are you I doing? I have two, and my wife has one. I use one about 98% of the time and the other one for Costco and gasoline. Okay. And then this will be a little bit more prying, but could you give me your credit card number and your expiration <laughs> date and also your security code? In your dreams. Okay. Just among friends. <laughs> I All dozen of our listeners, right? Dozens and dozens of our listeners. Indeed. I won't tell anyone, Jim, I promise. Well, I won't beat around the bush. I'm going to ask you, Jim, about MasterCard. I didn't ask you if that's a brand that you use or favor, and I'm not going to, but many people do. This is obviously one of the better-known companies, not just in this quarter's market cap game show, but I would say in the world today. This company actually debuted as Bank AmeriCard in September of 1958, which was, and I don't know the history here, but looking at Wikipedia, it's described as a notorious disaster. The Bank AmeriCard debut, but it did begin to turn a profit by May of 1961. Bank of America deliberately kept that information secret and allowed then widespread negative impressions to linger in order to ward off competition. Does that sound like a strategy for playing the market cap game show, by the way? <laughs> it sounds like a strategy that can be used in capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like it was, and let's hope there's a more conscious form of capitalism at MasterCard today. But anyway, this is this is a company not just in the S&P 500, but it's also in the S&P 100, one of the bigger companies. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. This would be one of the bigger market caps that we're featuring this time around. Well, without stalling any further, Jim, I'm going to turn to you and ask you for your market cap range for MasterCard, ticker symbol MA. I think I just saw Andy glance. Have you been writing down the market caps of all the companies? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's my that's my that's my that's my and logic. As, and as soon as you said that line, one of the bigger ones, Andy goes, which which <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Andy didn't buy help in that way. I think most of us, including you, Jim, yeah, know that. Yeah. I'm gonna say three fifty to six hundred billion. Mm. Three hundred fifty billion to six hundred billion. Big numbers, a bigger range. Andy, how well do you know MasterCard? Well, I own it, I should say, and my kids own it in their accounts. Uh, and I do use the MasterCard. Um, I think Apple is the MasterCard. Once we finish off the air, would you give me your credit card number and expiration <laughs> date and security code? Well, David, that has to go quid pro quo. So we'll have to have a negotiation about your card. All right. I will share with you my GameStop card. <laughs> That's great. I have my Bally's gym card <laughs> number that I will give to you. All right. But getting back to where we should have been, Andy, Jim's market cap range, $350 billion to $600 billion. Your thoughts before giving your final answer. Now, that overlaps with the range I was thinking, but to different degrees. So I have to make a decision whether I really trust Jim on this one. Um, I am, I think Jim's at the higher end of that, but I'm going to agree with Jim at the higher end. So agree with Jim. In many ways, it's been a hard debut for Jim Mueller for this <laughs> oh, no. market cap game show. But I want you to know, Jim, you can walk out of the studio with a smile on your face because you scored hey. the only point of the game people remember the last <laughs> point of the game. It was a pretty 
broad range. First of all, we'll say 350 to 600. Yeah, only about $250 billion to play with there. <laughs> but maybe ironically, just below that range at $331.41 oh. billion, it was outside Jim's range. And Andy, I recall correctly, it was just a minute ago. You said you agree, right? Inside that range. I agreed inside his range, but but my range was much higher than that. But I covered Jim, so I thought Jim was going to be Understood. correct, but at the higher end. So so I would say both of you guys thought that MasterCard was a bigger market cap, which might mean in addition to owning the stock, yeah. which you already do, Andy, maybe you want to add some more or put it on our respective watch list. Because, yeah, $331 billion, nothing to sneeze at, and yet we could see it bigger. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is one of the big global brands and Visa is actually bigger than MasterCard. I th- I'm pretty sure on the market cap side, but I thought it was, I thought it was large. I thought it was, was somewhere larger than 500 billion. So mm-hmm. I had that wrong. Visa, $449 billion, by Not the way, one of the 26 or so companies that has a single letter ticker symbol, Visa, just the V. I'm sure MasterCard would have loved to have just the M uh, but that would be, of course, owned by Macy's, which probably predates, I think, maybe significantly so, the formation of MasterCard. Are all single-digit letters used? No, I, I think there's 23 that are used. Well, Allegheny was Y, but that was bought by Berkshire Hathaway. Right. So that, uh, that I don't think Q is used. Okay. I have to admit, I hadn't really checked, but you gentlemen are right. Neither Q nor Y entrepreneurs of the future has been taken. (laughs) This seems like an incredible oversight. Somebody should own each of the single letter ticker symbols on the market. And I think if there's one thing to conclude from this this quarter show, it's that right there. That somebody needs to grab those tickets. I mean, people are jumping after three-word URLs, possibly overpaying for them today on the internet, hoping there's some value there. And Q sits there. Is sitting there, unclaimed on the New York Stock Exchange? Why? Just sad. Well said. We'll leave it right there. Congratulations to Andy Cross for seven points in this version of the Market Cap Game Show. And I'm going to say congratulations to Jim Mueller for A, making his debut, (laughs) B, for racking up three points against our chief investment officer, C, for a point one that he earned, the first (laughs) bonus ever given, and D, for winning arguably the only one that matters, what people are left with, the last one. Andy, does it feel like you really won, or do you leave with a little bit of a sour taste in your mouth? No, I leave. If it wasn't, it wasn't. If I had not such great respect for Jim, I, I, I would leave with a lot of bitterness, but a little bit of bitterness <laughs> now. <laughs> well, we're always reminded when we play this game, it's not actually about us; it's about you, dear listener, dear fellow fool at home. We hope that you scored at least three points, and maybe five, maybe somebody scored ten, and if you did score ten. Tweet us out at RBI Podcast at The Motley Fool. The world wants to know if you got a perfect score on this quarter's market cap game show. Coming up next week, we've got your mailbag. It is the end of March. Any reflections you have on this market cap game show or any of our other conversations like my Beautiful question conversation last week with Warren Berger are most welcomed. RBI at fool.com is our email address. You can always tweet us at RBI Podcast. Well, for my talented guest stars, for both their intelligence and their good nature, thank you, Jim Mueller. Thank you, Andy Cross. And we all three join in. Thank you for suffering fools gladly once again this quarter with the latest Market Cap Game Show. Fool on. 
As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rulebreaker Investing at rbi.fool.com.